maintaining that healthy relationship with none other than yourself. Today, we're talking about self-care. I'm Chaz, he's Brett, and this is The Furious Curious. So today, Jazz, we are talking about your mind, your body, your soul. And today we are talking to you specifically to a creative strategy lead, a writer in experience design. Uh, she is also the founder of Unscripted Studio based in San Francisco. Um, Unscripted Studio, as we know, is a, uh, co- quoting from their website, a place where we choose to opt out of comparison, turn down the volume of the world screaming should and learn to find joy in living your own script in your own time. Um, It's also a place uh, that houses inspiring stories, unfiltered advice, honest tips to help you and your week with confidence and joy. And this is all because of Amy Ridley. Amy, welcome. Thank you. So happy to be here. Um, This will be, for me, we're talking about self-care today, but this will be, for me, really uh, a case study in the nuanced dialect differences of Western Australia, far Western Australia, Chaz, you being from Perth, <laughs> and far Eastern Australia, Amy being from the Sydney area. So go Roosters. So th- for East me, Coast, best coast. Yeah. <laughs> Fighting words. Uh, anyway, I, it's great to have you on. Uh, thanks, thanks for taking the time. So, Amy, tell us about, tell us a little bit more about Unscripted Studio for, for those who don't know. Yeah, so it was a um, it was a bit of an endeavor that I started a year ago, and it really was birthed out of a conversation I had with um, some friends back home. So just to give some context, I've been yeah. living in San Francisco for way too long, probably um, mm-hmm. so over four and a half years now. Originally moved for six months, and then you know here we are, married to an American, and not going home anytime soon. But um. Mm. But yeah, when I moved, I had a conversation with a girlfriend back home and she, on the phone, she was just saying, oh, I'm so jealous of your life. Like you get mm. to travel, you get to do all these things. Um, you know, and here I was sitting on the other end of the phone, looking at her life, thinking, oh man, she's married. She's got kids. She's bought a house. She feels settled. Mm-hmm. I got off the phone and I was thinking like, what are we doing you know, we sit there looking at the gloss of, or the picture of someone else's life right. and completely undermine our own path. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I was just at a place late 20s where I was really focused on kind of the shoulds of what society deems a success. Yeah. Um, you know, I should, I should be married or I should have this much money in my savings account or I should um, be at this level of my career. And I really hit a place where I was like, you know, do, do are these things even things that I want or has it just become a byproduct mm-hmm. of society telling me I should want these things? Right. Um, and so I just started writing. You know, I'm a writer. It's how I process things. It's how I, um, yeah, get things out into the world um, and just started writing about how is particularly how is we as women move from a state of comparing our lives to other people and celebrating each other's life yeah, and not feel the pressure to um, achieve all these shoulds in a certain timeline, but yeah. really just embrace what our own paths are um, in our own time. So was it that, that eureka moment of that conversation that really sort of um, was, was a personal awakening or do you think it was a slow burn for a while? Had, like, had you had these other, other micro realizations about being sort of, uh, you know, uncontented with the status quo of your life or was it just that moment that was that revelation? Yeah, I think it was a slow burn. Like I, I'm very much a, or I'm an Enneagram three, so I'm very, very driven by achievement and results uh, me too. in life. I'm an Enneagram three. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best and the worst. Um, I'm a 75, and- by the way, just an <laughs> <laughs> Off the charts. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so I think I think it was a definitely a slow burn. I think my twenties, I really looked for a sense of belonging in my career, in travel, in moving countries, and and not that there's anything wrong with that, but I think I spent my I spent a lot of time just filling my life with being busy, mm. um, and I think it came at a cost of me not really knowing exactly what I wanted from from my life. Um, yeah. And really needing to get to a place where I decided the things that I wanted and the things that I wanted to chase versus it being something that I just thought I should do. Yeah, so I think I think it was over time, and I think this is probably a, a different podcast, but my I grew up in a very, very strict, conservative, religious environment where mm. any sense of self um, was really not encouraged at all. Uh. Uh, and so I, I really grew up in that environment where you didn't really have passions outside of like mm-hmm. serving God and being in the church. And um, mm-hmm. I think it took me a long time to realize that actually wanting things for yourself mm-hmm. by yourself, not dictated by someone else was a good thing. Yeah, no, that's super powerful. That's what really, that's what really like uh, attracted me to like when I was reading your, the blog and the theme of it, just the idea that, and I think it's super relevant for particularly, I think millennials is that, you know, we aren't, our paths are not the same as our parents and they're not even the same as each other, you know? And I think there's a beauty in that if you kind of accept that and you find what's cool about that, that there is no quote normal. And I just love, I was reading when I was reading on your site, it said like, lose a script that says you should and just be, be who only you are created to be. I think that's super powerful. Like chase the dreams, the visions, the ideas that uh, you are, that are in your heart, even if it defies what is quote normal, be all in on your journey, fiercely embracing yourself, letting go of the world's version of success, opting out of comparison. Like uh, you said before, Amy, I think is like huge, especially in this, like where in social media, we, we can package how the world sees us in a way where we're comparing ourselves to a version of of somebody that doesn't even exist, right? That's actually not even real. Mm. Finding joy where we are and giving ourselves to that permission to live unscripted. For me, like when I heard this like life unscripted idea that you had, it was like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is great. Like there's so much rich territory here and we'll get into the self-care part. I think what's interesting to me is I think I want to separate the wheat from the chaff, so to speak, to metaphorically speaking. I think there's a lot of like, in terms of self-care, I think there's a lot of like, fluff. We'll just be honest, right? There's a lot of oh, like, yeah. there's a lot of like fluff on this topic and this idea of self-care has become a more public become in the more public consciousness. This is why we're talking about it. Uh certainly mine. And I think where I want to start is like self-care versus like self-improvement. Like I feel like those can kind of get overlapped a little bit. Like before I even get into that, like Amy, how how would you define self-care? We'll start there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with you. I think um, I don't love the term self-care because I think it's come with a lot of fluff. <laughs> you know, and I, I used to have I used to have a huge aversion to it because I was like, oh, it's bubble baths and face masks and like woo woo, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I think what I've come down to with self-care is just giving yourself time and space to think by yourself. Yeah. And whatever that looks like to you, if it's going for a walk, if it's like sitting on your couch, meditating, you know, I don't think there's a one size fits all, mm-hmm. but I do think it's, it's less about um, the fluff that surrounds it and more about just giving yourself time. Mm-hmm. And I think, Space. Yeah. yeah, I think we're so quick to give work time and we're so quick to like, again, getting back to this term around busyness, like it's almost like a status symbol. Like right. if I'm busy, I'm productive and I'm achieving. Or you're important, yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I think I'd like to see a redefinition around self-care and yeah. a lot more conversation about the value it does bring to your work um, and also just how you live your life. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Just, I mean, we, like, I'm glad mm-hmm. you said busyness because there is that, it's become a badge, like a status symbol yeah. in and of itself. You'll be out catching up with people, obviously not during the pandemic, but you might say, oh, have you been, oh, so busy. It's like, oh, you, you want a medal? <laughs> like, really? <laughs> right. Is that something right. to celebrate? I, I mean, do you think there is um, that, I guess, the um, 
the celebration of busyness as a trope, do we think that's the primary roadblock to self-care or do we feel there are others? Yeah, I think it's definitely one. I think, um, I think especially millennials, we've got this sense of like a need to be doing something and just this right. huge drive to always be getting somewhere or going to something, experiencing something. And I think really that's been the beauty of 2020 is that it forced us to slow down and forced mm. us to spend time with ourselves. So I think I think busyness is certainly one thing. I also think there's um, there's a scariness to sitting by yourself. You yeah, know, like sure. um, I think it's very easy to conflate being alone with loneliness. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I actually think it's one of like the the bravest and most courageous things you can do as an individual is sit by yourself and let feelings, emotions, thoughts mm. bubble to the surface, mm -hmm. not knowing what you're going to face, mm -hmm. but giving yourself time to face it. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think, you know, I think there's just a hesitation to want to be alone in, it, in case of yeah, what comes up. Totally. It, it's almost like pretty hard to often find the time to let those feelings and emotions and, and I guess epiphanies realizations about oneself bubble to the surface especially you know it's it's easy to sort of crap on uh the fact that we're always on smartphones these days but boredom has become an endangered species it's like there is this constant sense of titillation that we crave that we don't we aren't able to sit in our thoughts we aren't able to sort of live in our emotions do you mm -hmm. think that there's a greater cultural awareness around that, or do you think it's sort of continuing a pace and and going <laughs> going to be into this uh, distracted dystopia uh, even mm. more so? I think I think there's conversation around it. I think the act of doing it is very difficult. Yeah. Um, mm. Like if if you think about even working from home, you get up, you're on a screen for what eight hours. Right. Then to relax, you're probably going to watch TV. So you're on another screen right. or you're going to do a Peloton workout and you're on another screen. So I, I think there's always going to be something to distract you. It really takes a lot of discipline to turn off those distractions and sit by yourself. Just a, one. Sorry, Brett. I don't, don't want to like keep asking all the Please questions. Do. Do, man. <laughs> no, I, I had one just when you were talking then like, and, and I'm paraphrasing the stat, but I, I think yeah. I heard it. Um, I think it was a Jordan Peterson interview or a lecture. He he said something like when people, if they have a pet and they go to the vet and they say, you need to give your pet, you know, these three pills a day, the, the percentage, the likelihood that someone is going to give their pet the pills is almost like a hundred percent. Pretty much if someone, you know, people love their pets, they treat them like, you know, their little fur babies, they take <laughs> care of them. Now the stat in terms of, people taking their own medicine, they go to the doctor and say, you need to take these th three pills a day. The likelihood of someone doing that is you know, significantly lower hmm. than what they, how they treat their pet and the discipline uh, that they treat you know, giving the medicine to their pet. So the key takeaway of that study, anecdotally that I heard was, we treat our pets hmm. and, and sometimes our children better than we treat ourselves. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's just a self-esteem issue, a busyness issue, uh, just it, it, a lack of realization of the severity of that of that oversight issue? I mean, what's your take on that overall? Yeah. Well, I'm not surprised. I mean, I even think about <laughs> like this is such a silly example, but um, vitamins. Like, I'll order all these vitamins for myself, mm -hmm. take it probably for the first week, and then they just sit in the cupboard. Right. Like it's so hard for me to get into the routine of doing that. And it's just such a simple example. But um, I think there's, I think there's a, a version around or just a confusion between selfish and self-care. Yeah, like right, right. I think, um, I think that the two things are very hard to separate and, you know, even just going back to like my upbringing, any sense of, giving to yourself, giving yourself time, prioritizing yourself, taking care of yourself was seen as um, being selfish and being prideful in your mm -hmm. own journey versus giving to other people. And so I think it's such a hard balance to 
be a person of generosity and give to other people. But what I've found is that I've been through seasons where I've been giving, 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 and I just don't have anything left to give. Yeah. And at that point, it's actually not serving anyone because right. I'm giving people leftovers. Um, and so that's where self-care for me kicks in a lot. It's like, okay, I need to give myself the time and space to fill myself up, get fill my life with joy so then I can give that to other people versus trying to find joy in giving first, mm. if that right. makes sense. Yeah. No, that's that's huge. I think they're yeah, I think pushing apart the difference between selfishness, self-care, self-improvement. I think that's like to me that's a big thing cuz I think for me, I think a lot of the barriers is people think it's a self-improvement task and I was reading about this about how, you know, most people approach self-care as like I'm going to make myself better and that's not really the way to think about it. Like I'm not going to do more push-ups. I'm not going to do more yoga. It's not it's not doing more. Sometimes it's actually just doing less. It's almost a version of minimalism as we've talked about in previous episodes. I just find that really interesting. And somebody somebody told me this once. It was like, you know, and I think for type 3 in the Enneagram, we we associate and I think this is just broader in society. We associate our value with our ability to be doing something or producing something. Our value is based on what we create, right? And somebody, I don't know where this was, but somebody told me, and it sounds kind of buzzy word, but it, it really makes sense. We are human beings. We aren't human doings. And I thought that was, for me, that was a big, huge thing. It's like, oh, I need to actually learn again, relearn how to just be, how to not be having to do something, this perpetual to-do list of things that I need to do for others or do myself to just sit with my thoughts, to let things bubble up from my subconscious and my cerebral to then to think about, you know, time to think. I think some of our, some of the people we look up to, some of the heavyweights in, in achieving great things, whoever they are, they took walks, they thought about stuff, they took time for themselves so they could give whatever innovations, whatever beautiful ideas or thoughts or creations for the rest of the world. And so that, that just ladders right to your point, uh, Amy, about when we take care of ourselves, it equips us to be able to contribute to other people's lives. That's the way I, that's the way I'm understanding it. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think we're just, we're a society of doers and we associate our identity and our worth by how much we do. Right. Or, or even like how many followers, followers we have how many friends we have, like is such a um, metric of success. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think self-care is so difficult because it asks us to do the opposite and there's no metric right. to, oh, yeah. to self-care. Right. It just That's asks you to be still and to um, unpack what's going on in your world and process what's going on in your world. Right. But there's no direct outcome of that right. that you can put a metric to. Well, just um, on the... I just uh, had a thought. Like I was going yeah. uh, through the um, through the blog, and I, I noticed there was a quite a quite a compelling article. I think it was from April of last year. Five tips to find inner peace when the world is up uh, shit creek. And I I just want to read a couple of these because I, or a few of these because I think there's some pretty compelling advice. Uh, number one, focus your attention and energy on what you can control. I mean, I feel like this is sort of universal and cool. timeless advice. Yeah. It's so easy to, especially if you're reading the news, you become preoccupied with all these elements in the world that you, you really can't have any influence over. Um, you know, create boundaries for tuning in and out, uh, you know, process life as it is versus what you think it should be. It's almost like acknowledging difficult realities. And I, I thought this was an interesting one. I'd love to get your take on this. Turn what if into even if. And I just thought that was such a nice reframe. It's almost like it's celebrating one's resilience, going from, oh, well, a poor me victim mentality to even if I can still like, uh, you know, soldier on and, and get through it. Can you um, and answer this however you want to? But I'd just love yeah. your take on that, that article that you wrote. Yeah, I am. Um, what was it? April 2019. Well, maybe last year. It might have been 2020. Maybe last I think. year. Yeah. Well, um, the even if, yeah. So that was, um, that was really coming out of, I think, sometimes when we don't give ourselves space and time to think, and mm-hmm. we're just rushing through life. We're constantly in like 
a reactionary mode. So we're always like, oh, what if, what if I don't get this deadline done? Or, you know, what if I um, don't get to where I want to by a certain age? Or, you know, it can happen on a whole lot of scales. But um, I was really challenged to think, you know, I'm kind of worrying about it twice, really. Like I'm worrying about it before it's happened and I'm just creating so much anxiety for myself. Um, so what if I reframe that to even if this does happen, I'm going to be fine. And even right. if um, I don't make this deadline, it's going to be fine. And I think giving yourself, again, just coming back to that like space and time to be able to come up with new mantras and new ways to process what's going on in your life is so important. And so that, yeah, that's really where that came from. Lovely. It's re- really powerful. I love it. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, I was I was gonna say that um, I wonder if it's just the barrier to self care is just this fear that you know we're gonna not view ourselves as valuable because we're not gonna be doing as much. Is th- is that really like kind of the inner for me? Like that's the inner brain, right? It's like that's oh, if I if I really allow myself time, is that interpreted in the world as kind of slacking off or like indulgent? Mm. Right? We're going back to the selfishness thing, but like it's really hard to protect that. But I feel like as we all start to understand that more, hopefully there's a rising empathy and sympathy for, oh, like they're taking care of themselves. Like, you know, they're resting, they're they're giving time for themselves. I feel like, and we talked a little bit about this, Chaz and I on mental health, when we talked with Amanda, is that like, I feel like there's a slow cultural understanding of like, oh, like time off is a good thing. Clocking out at a certain time is a good thing. Like, you know, not checking email during vacation or weekends is a good thing. You know, like now that there's this kind of rising tide of like, and you know, that's okay. Cause I think before, and I'll say it again, like I said on the mental health episode, I think we're rewarded in our careers in society. It seems like we've been rewarded for self-denial, right? Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll speak for all of us. I think the three of us here, the less sleep I can get away with, the most I can work, you know, less things in my life outside of my work. If I can deny my body exercise, food, rest, that's all good. That's going to convert to more career success. We've been rewarded. The, 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 econ- the reward economy has been rewarding self-denial versus self-care. Hopefully that tectonic is starting to, is starting to shift. You guys sure. have any thoughts on that? I mean, yeah, I mean, I I got, that, sorry, you go, you go. Sorry, yeah. I was just going to say, I, I think it is definitely shifting. Like, I think, um, you know, it was, it's interesting culturally. Like when I came to the States, uh, I noticed a lot of my friends were a lot more open about going to therapy hmm. than I had experienced back in Australia. Really? Interesting. And I think, oh yeah. And I think in Australia, there's like Very a much. mentality of, um, oh, she'll be right, mate. Like whatever you're going through. It, you'll be fine. Just pick yourself can I, up and Can move I chime on. in? Can I explain yes. to Britt that, that yeah. term? That, that's a well-known trope. I've heard it, um, the sociological definition called, uh, call it optimistic fatalism, where there is this sort of perpetual state of, yeah, literally, she'll be right, mate. Don't worry about the situation. It will turn out well. But it's like, mm, sometimes it doesn't turn out well. And mm-hmm. it's almost like you're trusting fate for the ball to bounce the right way. And hmm. Australians have that, you know, there's a trope of you know, being called the lucky country. And I think there is sort of perhaps a, a softening of that perhaps Pollyanna worldview. The quality of life is great, but I do think to Amy's point, not, not meaning to cut you off, Amy, um, the, the fact that there is this perpetual state of optimism, it's probably not optimal. <laughs> sorry, hmm. sorry for that yeah. sidebar. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And I, I think um, like therapy was just not a topic of conversation amongst mm-hmm. my family, amongst my friends back in Australia. And when I came to the US, a lot of my friends would just talk about it like they would coffee. Like it was just a, such a natural part of their day-to-day life and a mm-hmm. part of their conversations. I think that was a huge awakening for me that um, – you know, you really are the sum of some total of who you spend your time with. And if mm-hmm. people around you value self-care and they value conversations about mental health, encouraging people to go to therapy, it becomes normal. And so I think until we as a society start to normalize these conversations and 
I think mental health is definitely on the rise, but like really tapping into people's need to have time and space to themselves or seek therapy, it's not going to change a lot. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, I've lived here for 13 years and, and I, um, even now, I, I, that still jumps out to me, you know, like it's not something I would bring up you know, with a mm-hmm. range of my, you know, friends and acquaintances. Like, it just, it's not that I would necessarily have a problem with it. It just wouldn't occur to me. Uh, but here it's sort of much more uniform. So, oh, well, it's, it would be sort of celebrate, that celebrated as being, oh, that's a, the, the optimal choice that you can make. Uh, there's one other thought I had about that in terms of, do you think that, you know, the, the, the tall poppy syndrome, which, you know, is, a, is an Australian trope. It's like, don't get too sort of far out over your skis. Don't get be- too big for your boots slash britches, mm. where this idea of taking uh, your mental health into your own hands is sort of seen as, here it's sort of celebrated, there it would be- perhaps be seen as a sign of weakness. Do you think that mm. is like an accurate statement? Like it sort of goes against the grain of, of the stoic, you know, stiff upper lip, you know, Irish slash English ancestry, you know, culturally. Do you think there is yeah. a, a big difference uh, there? Totally. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like when I came to the States and I heard um, my friends saying like, oh, yeah, I've got therapy this weekend. My immediate reaction was like, oh, what's wrong? Right. You know, what's going on in your life mm-hmm. that's so bad that you would have to go to a therapist and pay a professional to help you? Mm-hmm. That was my state. And I think it took me a long time to, like, realize that, you know, I go to therapy regularly and it's less about having a problem and needing to fix it, but it's more just, like, equipping you with tools for life Yeah, so that you can process just day-to-day things that are going on. Um but it's a part of prioritizing yourself and investing in yourself, which I had a hard time for hard time with, especially around like a a financial commitment, right? Like you start Mm -hmm. to put money to it. Yeah. You're taking it pretty seriously. Yeah. Right. Um, I will second that. I, I, uh, I go to therapy every other week and it has been great. Not, not for any, you know, I think that the the pivot I think is like the, it's not because of any type of crisis or big quote, issue that you know whatever i mean we all have challenges mentally in varying degrees but it is about maintaining just a healthy thought process right i mean if anything and that's a that's applicable to anybody right anybody can benefit from therapy to to take self-inventory to think through things to to kind of figure out okay what are the challenges that i have mentally that are maybe making me respond a certain way that i shouldn't or think about a certain way or or feed into some distorted script about myself whatever that is right you know and i think for me and how this ladders into self-care i had to learn like what do i actually need like, what do yeah. I, you know, I actually got it to this point where I didn't even know how to answer my own question, like about self-care. Like, what what does Britain need? Like, Britain, what do you need? I, I don't, uh, I don't know. Like, even having that barometer of like understanding what I even need emotionally, you know, and how to express that to somebody or express that to myself. That was like my challenge. I'll just say that. Sure. For self-care. I mean, yeah. You know? I mean, Amy, do you think like, you know, we've touched on this in a range of different pods, the the pervasiveness of technology and how it has encroached on our, any ability for us to sort of have that independent time to think, like be with ourselves, be in our emotions. Do we feel like, like I remember reading a couple of years ago, I think the French government passed some legislation that outlawed or made illegal, outlawed, made illegal um, emailing outside of office hours. Do you think there is going to be an increase in, I guess, self-care measures or or legislation that's, I guess, favorable to self-care? Because otherwise it's, you know, like I believe it was Japan a few years ago, a a worker, I believe at WPP, like a a big agency there, he worked himself to death. Like he essentially died on the job because he was overworked. Do we think given the fact that technology is in our life in an increasing, unending, you know, an exponential manner, do you think there's going to be some more rules, regulations, laws that actually make self-care more achievable? Uh, I would like to say, this is the Aussie optimism, yes, I would love to say yes to that answer, but um, until there's definition around it, I I still think there's such a there's such a fluff associated to it. Mm-hmm. So until people start to redefine it, and I think until workplaces take a stand, 
in particular, we're not going to see a lot of change. Like I think it's so, so much on the individual to do what they need to do. Um, mm. But I will say, you know, in my, in my day job, working with a lot of tech clients, like there is a huge prioritization on mental health yeah. and even the, um, the spaces in, in which people are in are designed to have access to the outdoors, give people a better sense of um, connection. And so I, I do think there's measures towards improving conversations around mental health, but again, it's different to self-care. Right. And I right, think, yeah. I think um, your, your point about technology is pretty huge. Like we just never have time alone away from our phone. And so it, it really is a discipline to put your phone down or put your phone on airplane mode and give yourself time to think. So on a, on a legislative level, I, yeah, I don't know. I was thinking just, it just brings up this idea of digital diet or media yeah. diet. And I think thinking of it as a diet, right? Like we don't eat endless Cheetos all day. Well, at least I don't anymore. Speak for Ch- yourself. Chaz still does. Yeah. yeah no. um, but no, you know, I'm a, twink, I'm a Twinkies guy. That's right. This segment's brought to you by Hostess Twinkies. No, I, I wish. <laughs> if, hey, Twinkies, if you want to call us, we'll talk, but you got to give us Twinkies first. Anyway, no, you know, we talk about media diet or we talk about digital diet. And I think that's a really great way to think about it because we don't realize what we're putting into our minds or what we're trying to fill our days with as kind of a, a diet of sorts. But we think about that in ways of how what we fill our bodies with, but what do we fill our time with? What do we fill our mind with? I think hopefully, you know, picking up my phone on a regular basis brainlessly is not necessarily going to contribute to self-care. That is a that is a form of diet. When I think of it that way, that's really helpful and helps me discern, okay, maybe my screen time is a little too much. Maybe what I'm actually consuming is a little too much. How, how, how do I undo some of that stuff? And like anything else that involves good inroads of, and good benefits, anything that's worth doing takes a little bit of work. It takes it. There's a discipline, right? To putting down our phone, to not having some screen time, et cetera. And, and I have found, I don't know if you guys have found this, but when I'm, and I'm, this isn't a dig on any particular platform or any particular app or or even the iPhone itself it's a, it's a beautiful invention it's probably the the best invention of our generation but you know i think putting those things down i have found this incremental and and like you said amy almost immeasurable but you feel it benefit of like okay like when i start to just kind of balance this stuff out and apply that moderation I do feel better. And it's not, it's not even a particular thing. I Mm. actually feel better. I feel more clear headed. My mood's a little bit better. And it goes back to that diet thing of like, you know, what do we fill ourselves with in whatever version of that is? So anyway, that's just, I think that that's really been helpful to me. Yeah. I I heard this thing one time. It was like, um, if you get up and the first thing you do is check your phone, you're immediately putting yourself into a state of reacting to other people Yep, and they control your day. Yeah. And that's just the state you're going to be in the whole day. Um, Britt and, so and I talked about this yesterday, by the way. So oh, Brent, Jazz yeah. and I talked literally, literally, <laughs> literally about this particular thing. Yeah. yeah. And I will say, like I did it this morning. I like slept in a bit, got up first thing, checked my email and the whole day just felt off. And like, sure it was, you know, on a productive level, it was probably fine but I constantly felt like I just couldn't get ahead. Like I was always responding. And so for me, like self-care on a day-to-day basis, it's really in that morning that I, um, I get up, I try my best not to check my phone. I'll get outside, go for a walk, make breakfast, like just do the little daily things that are going to set me up for success for the rest of the day. Um, But I tell you, yeah, the phone is like a huge trap in the morning. (laughs) We drill down on that morning, um, I guess, sanctuary, because um, there's a few, like uh, Jocko Willink, he wrote a book. He's an ex-Navy SEAL commander, I believe. Um, uh, Discipline equals freedom. I I saw Mm -hmm. like Mark Wahlberg. He he gets up at like 3 a.m. in the morning. Like a lot of these people, and Britt, you were talking about your father. Shout out to Jimbo. um, (laughs) About like getting up, starting out really early in the morning because there is that... I guess, certainty that you know you're not going to be bothered in that window of time. Can you imagine 
a future where this becomes much more mainstream than it is in service of mental health, I mean, in, mm-hmm. and self-care? Yeah, I think the more we talk about it and the more people experience it and the more people are willing to challenge their own comfort zone. Like I hear a lot of people when I tell them, you know, I get up early, this is what I do. Oh, I'm not a morning person. I can't do it. And there's an, there's an immediate reaction of just, I can't do it because yeah. I don't know, maybe they don't want to do it um, or they don't want to become a morning person. But I think until you, until you experience it and you really feel the benefits of it, not a lot is going to change. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, again, going back to that, what if statement, like, what if you just gave it a go? Yeah. No, no. Um, <laughs> One of uh, an old colleague of mine, he said, like we were talking about going to the gym and like he's, he'd never been to the gym. And I said, oh, why not? You know, you'll feel better. He goes, I'm not very sporty. <laughs> I just always, it always cracked me up. Yeah. What, a, what a cop out. It's like, yeah, you, you are bipedal, right? Like you, <laughs> you are able to walk. You can walk, you can walk, you can and, run. And even if you don't, even if you can't walk, people go to the yeah. gym, right? Precisely. Yeah. Go ahead. I think it's go a good ahead. point because um, yeah. there's this whole stigma around like, oh, I don't want to go to the gym until I'm fit enough to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. And I think with self-care, there's a similar like, oh, I'm not good at meditating, so I don't want to do it. Right. And I think we've just got to break down the the need to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Like self-care could be five minutes a day just turning your phone off. Mm-hmm. It could be, you know, going for a walk at the, around the block. Like it doesn't have to be this whole big exercise or this whole big routine shift. I think it's just the little incremental decisions to put yourself first for a moment during the day that are going to make the biggest changes. And That's over huge. time, it'll grow. That's huge. It's fascinating. That's it. you really, That's it. And you really can't get it wrong. I mean, you can't imagine right. a, a uh, Instagram meme site when self-care goes wrong, right? Like, you can't really do it wrong. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? I just think we'll like- start it's it. A, yeah, it's a zero. I mean, you could. I mean, someone goes to a yoga class and says namaste instead of namaste. I mean, that there would be some hilarity ensuing there. But you know what I mean? There's, uh-huh. You really can't screw it up. It's, it's only upside. Right. So I think, you right. know, we, we keep talking about this- um, stigmatizing this idea removing the idea of uh that self-care can be selfish it's all gravy like it's all positive and you know there's that book i believe dan harris he wrote it's called 10 percent happier and he that was his he's a news reporter and that was his um, journey of getting into meditation he said look it, basically saying it's not it wasn't life-changing for me it was an incremental improvement yeah. but any improvement is better than none and, yep. and I think that's the sort of the mindset that we've got to approach it with because I think um, society benefits at large. Two two things on that, and it's two books I'll recommend. One is like Well-Designed Life. I forget the author. We'll put in the notes. But this was a big thing for me is like, oh, if I don't do it perfectly, like one of the reasons, you know, we go back to what are the biggest roadblocks of self-care, self-care right? It's like, oh, if I don't do it perfect the first time or if I don't do it the way I've intended to do it. Oh, I failed. I'm just going to quit versus like, oh, you know, like for example, like a five minute meditation. Okay. Well, if I didn't do it every single day, at least I did it yesterday and now I'll probably do it tomorrow, but I didn't do it today. A lot of the reasons why we quit is because we failed to do the perfect version. And that's yep. why it's like anything is better and, and, it, and it's incremental. Like you guys are just saying it's incremental. And the other thing is Atomic Habits talks about another book is like, oh, I've got it. I'm reading it right now, by the way. It's, it's great. It's like, you know, Chaz, I even fell into this trap yesterday when we were talking about like getting in front of it in the morning before the rest of the world. So you, you have a little bit, you're ahead of the, the wave, so to speak. Yep. And, I, and I told you, I said, well, I'm not a morning person. It's just like, it's just like this, which I'm not like I, I have horrible insomnia and I feel way better when I sleep late, but that's not how the world works. I mean, it doesn't mean I have to be that way. But what I fell into is this, well, I'm not a blank, right? Oh, I don't yeah. go to the gym. I'm not athletic. Therefore, I can't. And it's like, no, I can just be somebody who just decides to get up in the morning. I don't need to, it doesn't need to be part of my identity. Or I can say, I can decide to be a morning person. And now I'm a morning person. It's like, you know, I'm not a marathoner. Well, I can still be a runner, right? I can yeah. still go for a run. I will say Brit on yeah. that note. Like, I yeah. think there's... There's something around like um, doing it for you. Like, sure, right. I think a lot of things, and I, I'm probably not going to articulate 
this perfectly, but um, there's a lot of things that we think we should do, A, because we just think it's like the right thing to do or yeah. we're doing it for someone else or we want to look good or the worst trap, we're going to do it for Instagram or <laughs> do it to be captured on social media. And I think the art of self-care is truly doing it for yourself and mm. and not doing it because you feel like, oh, I should do it. Right, that right. it kind of takes, it puts too much pressure on yourself. Um, and I think true self-care is just doing it because you need to do it or you feel like your body needs it or your mind needs it. Yeah. Um, but it's truly just doing something for you. Yeah. Yeah. Without the agenda of anyone else. Right. Yeah. So I want to switch gears and talking about, you know, I see our notes here, trends in self-care. Amy, why do you think it's, why do you think this is a topic right now? Cause this has been like for Chaz and I, it's been on our like hot list for a little bit. And I'm curious, like if you have any thoughts of why you think this is now kind of becoming a little bit more accepted and more like in the public consciousness and why people are paying attention to it more. I think probably for, I can speak for my generation, millennials, like burnout is so real. Right, um, burnout. And I think we've yes. all ex- we've all experienced it at some point. Um, I know I have, and I I've got to that point, and I never want to get to it again. Yeah. So I think on a cultural level, um, there's much more awareness around that, and the term burnout itself is starting to get more of a scientific definition around mm. it. So I think there's a there's awareness of the pitfalls of what will happen if you don't prioritize yourself. So I think that's probably why it's got a little bit more attention. Hmm. And then I'll also say, I think 2020 really forced us to explore self-care. Yeah. yeah. And the ways that we were forced to be inside limited social interaction, you know, really reducing our social circles and for some people spending a lot of time alone. And I think it forced us to find things that gave us joy, whether it was like, I did not participate in this, but the sourdough starters um, <laughs> craze that happened, mm-hmm. you know, even it was the little things like that where you're starting to do stuff that doesn't have um, a productivity metric associated with it. Uh, and it's not something that you're just doing, but you're yeah. really exploring the art of being, whatever that means to you, whether it's like, cooking or painting um but just getting to that innate self of in a innate way of expressing yourself so i'd say those two things colliding are probably why it's become a conversation That's a I, I, love, I, I love yeah. that um that framing of burnout like i yeah. uh, a friend of mine he actually has a uh, a chain of um uh, i might be butchering the language here like a float tank chain uh, you know, those float tank, like Steph Curry goes in them for recuperation. We, oh. we, for, oh, iso- the what are they called? Yeah, isolation tank, whatever they're called. What are they called? Um, what are they called? Like immersion tank. Uh, like, what, what, basically, Is it you, the cryo, no, the cryotherapy? That, I think no. that's a bit different. That's like cold. Uh, like, well, they call it a, you know, the float tank. It, is you float in the you, middle and, and dark and pitch dark, right? It, it's exactly it, right? And yeah. they've got a chain of these. It's called Beyond Rest. So shout out to uh, my friend Paul, Nick. Uh, I actually did some work with them. Yeah. But they, um, I said, who's the competition, right? At at one point. And Nick said, it's really any type of uh, stress relief. So a lot of the time, we're competing with going to the pub. Like people, they might want to (laughs) unwind, you know, on a Thursday night or Friday night, whenever. It's like some people get that from going to the pub and letting their hair down, and that's fine. But it's sort of, it's probably not the optimal way to, I guess, nurture and care for your mental health. It's sort of, it's not the release valve you need. And, and that was this idea of like a full, you know, full immersion in, in a float tank where you are alone in your thoughts. You're sort of like in this sort of semi state of consciousness, but also kind of asleep. So it is, you know, that a lot of people sort of, um, are quite effusive about the mental health benefits of doing that. Do you think, hmm. Is there anything else, like we've talked about technology, is there anything else that's really competing for this uh, idea of like being more fastidious around managing our um, our self-care? I think there's something around like, you know, we don't want to be seen to be doing nothing. Yeah. And self-care can sometimes be nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
And so I think, A, we put the pressure on ourselves to be in a doing mindset where we're, we're just busy and we're filling our lives with things to do. And, and I, think it, I think it goes back to, like, what do you get out of nothing? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, probably better well-being. Oh, yeah. it, it's like uh, Peter in, um, in Office Space, right? I did nothing, and it was everything I thought it could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I remember hearing someone say, like, this is probably six years ago, and they said, I'm taking a mental health day. And I, I was like, they may as well have said to me, I'm going to Mars. Like, I, I said, what? Like, well, like, and it wasn't like I was judging them. I was just like, I've never heard of this. I've never heard anyone say that. But now it's like mainstream. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think I first heard the term, you know, self-care. I'm like, what, what do you mean by that? It's so abstract. You know, and it could be, you know, eating Oreos uh, on the couch. Uh, but if that, look, whatever blows your hair back and whatever you, if you had a stressful week, if you had a stressful month, if it hasn't been your day, your week, your month, or even your year, I'll be there for you. And, and oh I think my it's gosh, sort of, uh, I heard, I got that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Shout Sorry. I just friends. started leading into it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Rembrandt. No, I do think, um, yeah, I was going to say new radicals, but you, yeah, I, I knew I got it wrong. Uh, I, I do think the more that we can talk about this, I know we're sort of covering the same territory here, but the more we can create this cultural awakening, I, I think the better off we'll be as a society, the less stressed, the more fulfilled, and the more relaxed overall, frankly. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of, I don't know if it's apprehension around self-care or like, Maybe it goes back to this conversation around perfectionism. Like, mm. if we can't be perfect at it, we don't want to do it. And I think I think it's a huge issue with our generation. It's just like, you know, I even see it on social media. Like, we just we want the instant gratification of having success mm-hmm. on a public platform or success in self care, success in work. Like, we're driven towards this idea of success. Yeah. But really, what is what is success? And I think that's a part of self-care is giving yourself time and space to define that for you mm-hmm. versus just chasing success and this wild abstract concept that someone else decided, you know, is worthy of chasing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think the other thing I value about self-care is that it gets me into this state of like um, valuing the process and valuing me not being there yet as still Mm -hmm. worthy of you know celebrating where i'm at Mm -hmm. um and i think i think as a society we need to be more okay with the not yet versus like focusing on where we need to get to or like success or achievement or um the things that we put pride around but self-care just asks you to sit in the mess and sit in mm-hmm. the, the progress of where you aren't. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and, you know, I haven't read the book completely yet, Brett, but I'm in Atomic Habits. And, mm-hmm. and the habits is, a, 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 I guess, another way of saying trust the process. Like mm-hmm. uh, another, I've heard another metaphor like, uh, you know, water the bamboo. Like, you know, if you water the bamboo on the first day or the second day or the third day, you know, the fifth day, it doesn't grow. But uh, on the, you know, on the... 21st day, it might grow two feet, right? And mm. it's that process of continually, continually uh, watering the bamboo that reaps these sort of astronomical benefits down the track. I think in trusting the process, knowing that it's going to pay dividends long-term, whether that's embracing, you know, meditation, fitness, whatever, like embracing something that's good for you and uh, embracing it as a habit, not just a one-off thing, being prepared to not being a perfectionist or about it, knowing that you're going to stumble and fall occasionally, but trusting that process of self-care, self-care, knowing it'll reap the benefits, I think is an important one that we should take away. Yeah. It's like trimming the bonsai tree. Sorry. I just, I've cried a kid. Cobra <laughs> Kai. But it, Cobra you know. Kai, it's so good. <laughs> yes. Uh, great. That's why I knew you're a good egg. <laughs> That's why we got you on. We knew you're a closet Cobra Kai fan. Uh. <laughs> Great. Johnny Lawrence, what yeah, a what mess. A, oh, what a, I was going to say, what a dream boat. He's aged <laughs> pretty well. With Billy Zabka. <laughs> He's actually the oh, front okay. runner to play uh, Steve Bannon in the Steve Bannon biopic. No. That's coming out. 
That's, no, I just made that. I just made that up. <laughs> I was going to say. Gonna say. <laughs> that would be but good. I, Sign me up for that. But I have heard, you know, having a bonsai tree is putting these principles of patience and inc- incrementation into practice, right? And that's kind of what you're getting at. Absolutely. Thanks, Mr. Miyagi. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I actually read this really cool quote yesterday and it, yeah. it, I just feel like it like sums everything up, but it's, it's called like the power of not yet. And it's by this mm. great Aussie, of course, have to pay tribute to the home country poet who I love called Bo Taplin. And he says, um, perhaps you are not where you thought you should be, but for one, from one dreamer to another, a careful word of advice. You could reach every last one of your goals and still find yourself unfulfilled at the finish line. The true essence of life exists in the in-between. It's in the striving that your excellence is exposed to the world. It's in the setbacks that the strength of your spirit is learned. It's in the unfinished dream lies the full and burning heart of life. It is only a spell of the mind, an artful deception, that you might find fulfillment in the fortune, fame, perfection, or power. Life is is lived here in the distance you still have left to travel. This is where the true magic happens. And I just think it's so, it's such a good reminder to just like all self-care is, is just sitting in the mess mm-hmm. and being okay with it, right. knowing that no, no one is perfect. Right. Um, and it, it just helps you remove the pressure that we put on ourselves to be perfect or to be at a certain place in life where we think we should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, I think my hope is that we would start to redefine self-care as just the art of giving ourselves time and space versus the fluff that we often associate with it. Um, yeah. Love that. Uh, love that. Yeah. We'll have to get the link to that, uh, that poem because uh, I'm not yeah. familiar with so yeah. Bo, You said Bo Toplin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, shout out to Bo. Yeah. That'd be great. And we'll put it out on, um, on Instagram as well. Um, so any, anything else you had to I, ask Britt? I'm curious um, and furious. Usually, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm asking Amy what, so for people who are like, okay, I get self-care, I'm understanding it now. If somebody just like wants to start, you know, we talk about like, there's no, no step is too small. What would, what, what would be a couple like thought starters for people on getting started in terms of like just pursuing this principle? Yeah, I think, I think one practical thing is just allotting yourself, whether it's five minutes 10 minutes, 15 minutes, where you put your phone in airplane mode. I think the act of actually putting your phone in a state where you're not going to get distracted is self-care. So it could be as simple as that. I would say I'm a huge advocate for physical well-being, Um, just moving your body daily, whether it's going for a walk, dancing, getting on your Peloton, whatever. Um, And again, I think the, the trick there is to do it without being so focused on the results and just right. do it to make your body feel good. Right. Um, so definitely moving your body. I would say like, I mean, meditation is something I've just started in the last six months. I'm not great at it. Um, but there's a lot of uh, apps out there that can help you just with guided meditation, whether it's five minutes again, um, three minutes throughout your day. And then the other thing I found is um, honestly just breathing, mm-hmm. like reminding yourself whether it's putting again technology, but like putting a reminder on your um, Apple Watch or your phone to just stop and take a deep breath. I think are super easy ways to start, and then you just go from there. I think once you start to feel the benefits of it, you dive in a little bit deeper. Whether it's therapy whether it's just um, starting to talk about self-care with your friends. Like I have a great group of girlfriends and we have this, um, this unspoken code. If any of us needs to text and say, Hey, I can't make it. I need a rest. There's yeah. no judgment. Yeah. Um, and I think having that sense of security within your friend group um, or even your spouse that if you need time, like you need to take it. Um, and you shouldn't feel judged or pressured for that. So I think it's just starting to implement that and also starting to have conversations about it with people around you. That's great. Any other, any like um, podcasts or books, resources? I mean, we've got your yeah. URL, URL, which I'll, I'll talk about at the end here, but like, any, yeah, anything like that 
that we could recommend for for folks? Yeah, I'm a huge podcast nerd. <laughs> um, I really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Brene Brown. She's got two podcasts: uh, Unlocking Us and Dare to Lead. Great conversations around vulnerability, getting to know yourself, um, just practical ways to start prioritizing yourself she's a great advocate for that of course all of her books are great there's another podcast seize the a which is an aussie girl back home in melbourne and um, she talks a lot about how to find joy in your life when we're so focused on work um, mm. so there's another podcast i'd recommend and then um headspace is great yeah. as an app uh if you need some meditation but yeah i think they're my Top That's great. Actually, Chaz yeah. and I are on the list, and we we don't promise to deliver this anytime soon. But we're gonna we're gonna review meditation some meditation apps. I started to do that. I I use um Breathe. I don't know if you've heard of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use Oak, which is really good. And then there's a one from and I talked about this before from the University of Wisconsin called Healthy Minds. A little it's a little bit different, but I've just kind of rotated those and have found a lot of benefit to doing that every if I do that in the morning, it just sets the tone for the rest of my day. Um, so I can I can affirm that for sure as Headspace. Headspace has a thing on Netflix too now, everybody. Just a shout out. They've got a oh, they? series. Yeah. It's kind of his story about where he came from. And then it's essentially a Netflix version of the app. It's all animation. It's pretty interesting. I just started it. So shout out to that. Was there anything else, anybody? Chaz, Amy? Yeah, Amy, I, I was quite uh, curious. Why do you speak in an American accent? You sound incredibly American, <laughs> even though you've lived here. My nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I get, do I actually, though? No, not no. remotely. I mean, people, do, oh. do you think I do, by the way? There's some words. Yeah, I noticed I, it on a podcast one of your podcasts you said um date no you said data yeah oh, it's and definitely like, oh, yeah there's definitely words because I, I, it's it's words less an accent because like i, I think i'll say twitter Twi- like, i'll say mm-hmm. twitter. i'll say it with more of an r like i've heard aussies like say twitter <laughs> and if i said oh, yeah. that, if like if i said that in a meeting at work i would like i'd be self-conscious well <laughs> Uh, Amy, thank you, thank you for taking the time to speak with us. It was we really appreciate it. Yeah, it's thoughts. Fun. Yeah, um, just just to uh, just to highlight, we want to make sure that people know where to find you. Unscriptedstudio.com and then Correct. unscripted underscore studio on Instagram. Any other? Any other? Yeah, one? no, that's it. Those two cool. are great. Cool. That's great. Well, thanks for sharing. Thanks for the time. You are listening to The Furious Curious, hosted and produced by me, Britton Rice, and my esteemed colleague, Charlie Quark, from San Francisco, California. And make sure you follow us on Instagram at the underscore furious underscore curious and on Twitter at the FRSCRS. Sorry, Twitter, I meant to say. We welcome your comments, insults, constructive feedback, as well as suggestions for what we should do next. Uh, So after reading that script, thank you for coming on. Amy, it was superb. Great hang. Lovely to e-meet you. Thanks, you guys. Until next time, stay curious. Out. Out.